Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on August 21st, 2022. The Good Samaritan is the best of the best of the parables of Jesus. And it's our study today as we continue Jesus in Luke's Gospel. But I really want you to think about it because sometimes what happens to us when we hear familiar passages is we say, I know that one, and we click our brains off and we don't learn anything new. I really want you to think about the parable of the Good Samaritan in its context. If you've been in my Wednesday night class on how to interpret the Bible or you've watched along online, then you know that one of the things that I focus on is that you must understand the context before you can understand the passage. And this one is especially important because the Good Samaritan means much more than it is usually reduced to Be nice to strangers. The heart of Jesus and the most radical teaching of Jesus is found in the Good Samaritan. It's how to live the Christian life. And it was the most profound teaching that had ever been uttered up to that point in human history. Because up to then, the Jews, like all people, I think it's human nature, The Jews thought mostly of themselves. The Jews are for the Jews and no one else. Egyptians are for the Egyptians and we don't care about anybody else. Babylonians are for the Babylonians and we don't care about anyone else. It's natural and it's human nature to think of me and mine to the exclusion of others. Me first, mine first, my country first. It's me and mine For I don't have the time or the energy or the love or the concern to worry about others. Listen, when Jesus gave us this parable, it totally destroys that thought. The parable helps define a word we use constantly at Avondale Baptist Church. Love. I say it all the time. That's who we are. We love God. We love people. And we follow Jesus. But Jesus defines for us in this parable what loving people really means. And if you miss this point today, then you will live by human nature and not your Jesus nature. And you will really miss the whole ethic of the Christian life. So I want you to listen carefully to the words and the context, and then you can understand the meaning of Luke chapter 10. So let's stand together. We're going to read the, the, the preliminary remarks of the questions because you really can't understand the answer unless you understand what the question is. And so we're going to read Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. And here's how it reads. The Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho 
when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go. And do likewise. Go and do likewise. You may be seated. I, I really do want us to understand the, the context and understand the discussion and especially understand the question the expert in the law asked because you can't understand an answer unless you understand the question first. So, we start with a question asked by a Jewish expert in the law who wanted to test Jesus. Is Jesus for real? How much does he know about the Bible and about the truth? Could he be the Messiah? Before I accept him, I want to ask him some big questions. Now, I would do the same, so don't judge the expert harshly. He wanted to test Jesus, find out, is he for real? Does he know his stuff? Is he, could he be the Messiah? I'm going to test him and find out. And so he asked Jesus the big question. And the question, and they don't get any bigger than this. How do I obtain eternal life? People have asked this question from the very beginning. Every culture in human history has asked this question because death seems so final. So how can I live forever? What does God want from me so that he will give me eternal life? Now notice what Jesus did. He did this a lot in his ministry. He answers the question with one of his own. Well, let me put it back on you, Mr. Expert in the law. What does the Bible say? How do you read the Bible? So start with the question, how do I get eternal life? And the expert gives the answer by quoting from the Old Testament, love God and love others. And Jesus agreed, do this and you will live. Now I want you to see that this is a deeper answer than most people give today. Oftentimes, we tell people, just, just pray this prayer, or repeat these words after me, or walk the aisle, or be baptized, or come to church, or make a one-time decision, or be good. Jesus' answer, yes, I agree, love God and love people, shows that eternal life is much more than a quickly forgotten prayer, a temporary decision, or a one-time religious act. It's believing in God and in Jesus on such a deep level 
that you're changed for the rest of your life. Almost on the DNA level, it changes who you are. Your faith in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus impacts you that deep that now you are able to love God and to love others as yourself. And I want you to understand that if you don't love God and you don't love others as yourself, then you got to be willing to say my eternal life is suspect. Because that's the nature of the Christian life. We love God and we love others as ourselves. And so that's the question and that's the answer. But like many people today, the expert in the law attempted to justify himself. And so he asked, who is my neighbor? Listen, that is a deeply profound question. The way you answer that question, in light of the command, love your neighbor as yourself, shows whether you really understand what love is all about or not. Answer it wrong, and all you're doing is making yourself look good while completely failing at the command. So he asked the question, so who is my neighbor? You know how most Jews would answer that question. Who is my neighbor? Other Jews and only other Jews. And so if I love the Jews, I'm good. I love my neighbor. But that's just justification. A criminal could say, I mean, a criminal who hates almost everybody could say, my neighbor is every loyal member of my gang and only every loyal member of my gang, and he would feel justified while totally disobeying and rebelling against the command. A father could say, I want to be justified, so who is my neighbor? My kids and my grandkids, and that's it. And he would feel justified. Who is my neighbor? Americans could say, every citizen of the United States of America and only citizens of the United States of America and feel justified. A Christian could say, every believer in Jesus is my neighbor. No Muslims, or atheists. Other believers are my neighbors. And he or she would feel justified, but be totally and completely wrong. Every Republican could say, every single Republican, with the exception of rhinos, but definitely no Democrats or socialists are my neighbors. You know people who think like that. Listen, all you're doing is justifying yourself and giving yourself permission to hate others where the command is to love your neighbor. Even a white supremacist could say, every white person on the face of the earth is my neighbor and feel justified. So understand, if, if we define neighbor wrong, that's why this is such a good question. If we define neighbor wrong then we are free to love and to hate based on my feelings, my thoughts. Even when we're in direct disobedience and in rebellion of the command to love your neighbor as yourself. 
because we've justified ourselves in our own mind and totally missed out on what Jesus is teaching. So how we define the word neighbor in love your neighbor as yourself tells God whether or not we understand what love really is. So how did Jesus define the word neighbor? And that's when Jesus taught in the Good Samaritan that there are no limits on love. Now, understand the reality here. Jews simply did not tell stories in which a Samaritan was the hero. They just didn't do it. They, they hated Samaritans with a passion. They would never tell a story. That would be like a Ukrainian parable in which Putin is the hero. It's not going to happen. It would be like a democratic parable in which Donald Trump is the hero. It's not going to happen. It would be like a Raiders fan telling a parable in which a Kansas City chump, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in which a Kansas City chief is the hero. See, I can't even do it. It just doesn't fit. And Jesus specifically and very purposely chose the Samaritan to show the truth. There are no limits on love. No matter how much you think you are justified in hating someone, you are not. If we limit love. And so many people do it even in the church. I love these, but not those then it's not love. It's something else. It could be reciprocity. I will be good to you if you're good to me. I will scratch your back if you scratch mine, but if you diss me, I will diss you, and if you hate me, I will hate you twice as bad. That's just a reciprocal agreement. That's not love. It could even be narcissism. I love you because you're a lot like me, so you must be okay. It could be familiarity. You know, I, I've seen people like you, and I know people like you, and so you're not a threat to me, so I will love you. Listen, anytime you put a limit on love, it's not love. It's something else. So, you guys understand that? You got that? Amen? Amen. Okay, then let me give you a strong warning. I was kind of having fun with this when I was writing my sermon, but, but, but then I cut it out, and then I put it back in just, just now. If, I need to give you a strong warning. You need to understand this. So from my era, danger, danger, Will Robinson, or red alert, red alert, intruder alert, or this is a warning of the emergency broadcast system, all of which tell you I'm old. Normally, I got to beg for amens. You guys just give them to me. Okay, here is the warning, and you need to understand this. Religious people can be the worst and often put the most limits on love. That's you and me. We are often the worst at loving people and putting limits on our people. Understand what Jesus did here. Jesus cast a priest and a Levite as villains who refuse to show love to a hurting man. In today's terms, that's like the preacher and the worship leader. 
walking right by a hurting man. Without, so there could be all kinds of excuses. The preacher, you know, holier than thou. Oh, I was, I was praying. And, 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 and I had an important appointment. The worship leader I had my hands up, my eyes closed, so I didn't even see him. <laughs> and where's the associate pastor in all this? Yeah, in the office playing video games. Um, <laughs> listen, the religious... The ones who should be all pro at loving others and loving their neighbors are often the worst, and Jesus pointed that out. You hear it. Listen, honestly. You listen to sermons today. You will hear it even from the pulpits. In the way we put down people instead of offering them hope. The LGBTQ community. Muslims. The other party. Those who disagree on abortion, asylum seekers, blacks, or whites if you're in a black church. Love has no limits and no boundaries. And let me put it this way, if you have put limits and boundaries on your love, it's not love. If you have limits on any love, it's not love, it's something else. So, so let me just point out some of the limits that shouldn't be there. Love has no limits. There are no economic limits. I was very frustrated this week to find that there are still economic limits in the Christian church. I, I was helping a very struggling church in, in what I would call a lower middle class community that is only three miles from an upper middle class community. The poor church has land and a building totally paid for, but very few people. The church in the upper middle class community has lots of people, but no building. So I just suggested, have you guys thought about a merger? And you would have thought I was a heretic because the people in the poor church, just a couple of them there, said they wouldn't want to come to our building. They consider us white trash. And we wouldn't want to go to theirs because they're rich snobs. And so both churches are going to struggle. Because there's economic limits on love. And you see that in American life. We hang out with people in our own category. Love has no limits. There are no racial limits. And by the way, I use that word knowing that I'm using that word wrong. For there is only one human race. That's why there are no limits. All of us are made in the image of God. For those of you who use the phrase made in the image of God as part of your pro-life statement, as I do, then remember made in the image of God applies to every human being of every skin color, every culture, every religion, and every age. The most hated ethnicity to Jews were the Samaritans. And if Jesus could tell them to love each other, he would do exactly the same to the American church. No racial limits. 
no religious limits. The Samaritans weren't just different ethnicities. They had a different religion, related, but a different religion, and each considered the other to be heretics. Listen, love crosses all religions. We are under a command of Jesus to love Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and atheists. If we can't love them, we will never reach them. And sometimes the way we talk about them makes me wonder, do we even want to reach them? Or is it better just to put them down? Love has no limits, no economic limits, no racial limits, no religious limits, no citizenship limits. A good Jew would not cross the border from Judah to Samaria and they didn't want the Samaritans to cross their border. And so to get to, from Judah to Galilee, in today's terms, part of the same country, they would go around. It would be like walking from Phoenix to Tucson by going through Gila Bend and Ajo because you hated the people in Casa Grande so much. Now think about that. Think about that. I'm going to go around because I don't want to cross their border. There is no love border. Our desire is for all people to be members of the citizen of the kingdom of God, and that's the most important kingdom. There are no citizenship limits. There, There are no moral limits. If you just love good people, then you don't understand the Bible. For biblically speaking, there's only one who is good, and that's Jesus. So it makes no sense to limit your love to good people, because none of us is good. So to use morality, I will love the good people of the earth, that means nothing. We're all just different degrees of sinners, saved by the grace of God. And so... To limit your love based on morality means nothing. Listen, love has no limits and love costs. And there are no limits on the cost. Love is not a passive emotion. Love is an attitude that will lead to actions that will cost time and money and lead to dirty hands. The Samaritan bandaged the man and cleansed him with his own oil and wine, transported him on his own donkey. He paid the innkeeper two days' wages. Now listen, translate that in your mind. If you make minimum wage, that's like giving the innkeeper $200. If you're a professional, it's like giving $500 or $600 This was not like giving a homeless man 20 bucks. This is two days wages. 40% of a week's paycheck. To a stranger he didn't know. This was a major expenditure of time, money, and convenience. And then what did he say? In today's terms, here's my credit card. If it's more than 600 bucks, charge me. I want to tell you, love costs big time, big money, major inconvenience. 
And if you're not spending time and money and even sacrificing for strangers who don't look like you, think like you, act like you, speak your language and share your faith, then you've missed the whole teaching of the Good Samaritan. And so you get to the command. And the command is pretty simple. To the Samaritan, he said, go and do likewise. You love without limits. You understand, the expert was, was doing what, what Baptists often do. He wanted a theological discussion. He wanted a Sunday school class talking about the philosophy of love. But Jesus wasn't content to just leave it with a discussion. He, he answered the man's questions. And he defined love like it had never been defined before, but then he shared the command. Go and do likewise. Do not just talk about love. Go be like the Samaritan and help hurting people. Listen, if you don't know more hurting people than you can count, then you got your eyes closed. Because they are all around us. Hungry, sick, dying, homeless, broken. Teens needing a basketball coach and someone to love them. Addicted, mentally ill, special needs. If it's not costing you something to help someone, you just may not be listening to the teachings of Jesus because that's the heart of the ethic of the Christian life. Go and do likewise. Be like the Samaritan. Don't just ask me theological questions. Don't just talk philosophy. Don't just have your discussions in Sunday school or, or in the church parking lot. Go and love people. Get out of the temple get out of the church and find hurting people and help them. So our response, choose, that's the key word there, choose to love. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling, so don't wait for the feeling. Listen, don't even in, in, wait, 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 wait for God to lead you. Because God just did through his word. Go and do likewise. I, I talk to people all the time. They're waiting for something. Well, when God shows me what he wants me to do, I'll do it. When God shows me what category of people need help, I'll help them. Good Samaritan didn't have any time for discussion, any time for thought. There was a hurting man. He helped him. Far beyond what was expected. Took a whole day. Hundreds of dollars, major inconvenience, could have got a disease. And there's all kinds of reasons not to. But he did it. Because he lived by the command of Jesus to love others as you love yourself. So go and do likewise. Make the choice today. 
and you will see hurting people all around you. And so in obedience to Jesus and in obedience to his teaching in the Good Samaritan, you, you decide before you leave here, I'm going to show sacrificial love to a hurting person. I'm going to join a ministry, no matter how much it costs me in terms of money and time and inconvenience, a ministry that helps hurting people, not just that helps me. Because the ethic of Jesus is it's not about me. It's about them. Love your neighbor as yourself. So make the choice to do it today and take personally the command of Jesus. I believe this applies to every believer. What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Who is my neighbor? Anyone you see who's hurting. You make that choice today. And I guarantee it'll change who we are as a church when we get our eyes off of us and on them. You stand with me and let's pray. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.